0: We've been talking through one of the great Christmas passages in all of Scripture. It's Isaiah 9.6. We're going to pull it up on the screen here and we're going to read it together. Each week we've been reading this together. Okay, so we're going to read it together. It's Isaiah 9.6. And so everyone together. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulder. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So this week, we're going to talk about the third name in that list, Everlasting Father. Now, this one can be confusing. Because first off, the passage is talking about a child and a son. How can a child's son be a father? And if that wasn't enough... If, you, if you've ever heard of the Trinity and you know that, then you're like, wait, I thought Jesus was the Son and God was the Father, but if this is about Jesus, is Jesus the Father? So there are just all kinds of ways to get this all confused. Because See, the Trinity is a notoriously difficult concept to understand, but this week I finally found a, a graphic that explains it really, really well, so I thought I'd share it with you. Here, here it is. Okay, that has nothing to do with Everlasting Father. I just really wanted to do a Baby Yoda meme here because he is adorable. So, when Isaiah was describing the future Jesus as our Everlasting Father, he wasn't talking about the Trinity. In fact, the Old Testament actually contains very little about the Trinity, just a a handful of references and allusions. Um, But really, what the Old Testament does have is a consistent, reoccurring theme that talks about God as our Father and His people, back then the Israelites, as His children. So when Isaiah is bringing up this name, Everlasting Father, he's not referring to the Trinity. He's actually referring to the fatherly relationship that God had with the Israelites. And so it's talking about the, God's relationship with us His fatherliness, his fatherhood. And that that this upcoming uh, Messiah was going to be a father, an everlasting father to us, just like the Israelites understood God as being fatherly to them. So this raises another problem. What if you didn't really like the way your father related to you? Is that really the best analogy? You see, there's a truth about the Christian faith, that we look at Jesus, our everlasting Father, through the lens of our earthly Father. Like it or not, it's what we do. See, that means however you experienced your earthly Father, that will shape how you view, experience, and relate to Jesus. And this really happens with any father figure in our lives. This can be stepdads, grandfathers, adoptive fathers, even absent fathers. All of these people can shape how we view Jesus. See, and that's a problem. That's a problem. In fact, it can be really dangerous to our faith. Because we start projecting things from our earthly father, on to Jesus, our heavenly, our our everlasting father. And if we're not careful, we can end up with a very distorted view of God. So here's what it looks like for me. So growing up, my dad was very involved in the activities of my life. He attended nearly every swim meet, water polo game. He coached Little League when I was playing that. He would take me to computer stores back when there were computer stores. Uh, we would go on the weekends so I could look at the latest technology and play the latest video games, and it was wonderful. But at the same time, he also didn't really know how to relate with me emotionally. He had his own challenges with his own emotions, and then to relate to a son emotionally was very difficult. He didn't really know how to help me navigate the childhood emotions of pain, sadness, loneliness. He was physically present, but emotionally distant. So guess how I view God? Physically present, but emotionally distant. It's very easy for me to do things with God and for God. It's a lot harder for me to take my pains and my struggles to God. It's much easier for me to kind of keep those to myself. And, thankful, can attest to that. I tend to lean that direction. So in my discipleship of following Jesus, that is one of the things I am constantly battling against is this distorted view of God Because I looked at him through the lens of my earthly father. See, it's something we all do. We all look at Jesus, our everlasting father, through the lens of our earthly father. So if this is something that we all do, how can we do it better? How can we prevent ourselves from developing a really distorted view of God? Well, there is a solution to the problem, and that's to understand this principle, that Jesus, our everlasting father, represents the best of who your father was, and also all you wished he could have been. Jesus represents the best of who your father was, and all you wished he could have been, and maybe still do wish he could be. So, think, I want you to think about your father, your father figure, your stepdad, grandpa. Who, who were the men around as you were growing up? Think about them for a moment. What was the best in them? What was the best? So, maybe your father was sacrificial, or protecting, or wise. Maybe he was steadfast, maybe encouraging, maybe loving. Now I want you to think about what you wished he could have been. Think about those things you longed for as a child. Maybe you wished your father was warm or understanding. Maybe you wished he was kind or gentle. Jesus is. Maybe maybe you wished your father loved you just for who you were, that you didn't have to perform or obey to be loved. Jesus loves you. Or maybe, maybe you wished your father was a safe person. And for you, growing up, he was not. And he hurt you and you just wished he, he was safe. Jesus is. Or maybe simply you just wished your father was there. Jesus is. See, Jesus, our everlasting father, represents the best of what our Father was and all you wished He could have been. See, we all have our own Father's story. Present fathers, absent fathers. Connected fathers, disconnected fathers. Good and bad. We all have our Father's stories. But I'd like to ask you for this morning, for just a few minutes to set down that lens that you're looking through of your earthly father. Just set that down. And take take some time to look at Jesus, our everlasting father, through the lens of scripture. I have to put these back on, otherwise I'm not going to see my notes. There we go. So take a moment. We're going to do that this morning. Take that lens off and allow Scripture to speak to who Jesus, our everlasting Father, really is. So I want to start with the first one. He is loving. He is loving. Now, this seems like the most obvious one. Think about it. Jesus' name is practically synonymous with love. He taught love. He showed love. He embodied love. And there are a slew of verses to talk about. Here are just a few. Jesus speaking, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. We love because he first loved us. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. And gave himself for me. Greater love has no one than this. To lay down one's life for one's friends. What great love the Father has lavished on us. I could read verse after verse. Of these that talk about. The love of Jesus. So if all this is true. Why do we get this one wrong so much? Why do we really blow this one, when it comes to receiving love and giving out love. See, we might understand it up here, God is love, but we have a much harder time understanding it in here, that God loves me. Why is this? Why is that so hard for us? Well, one reason is that for many of us, our experience with our earthly fathers makes it really hard to believe that God would love us unconditionally. That's just a reality. See, your parents might have been critical or judgmental. They might have loved you in their love language, but not your love language or they might have even withheld love as a form of punishment, Or to show their disappointment. They actually withdraw their love from you. And you feel the pain. Well, so for me as a kid, here's little eight-year-old Greg. I played soccer for a few years. Now, one time my, my dad and I were down at the park practicing. Uh, And we were shooting some goals. Now, it is an understatement to say I was not an athletic kid. This picture is probably the closest I have ever gotten to the ball. (laughs) And that was really smart. See, I was practicing goal shots, and I was missing them all. Now, there was no goalie in there. It was me and 200 square feet of (laughs) goal. I'd kick it too short. Again, not very athletic. And my dad kept pushing me. You can do it. Kept pushing me, pushing me. And I kept missing the goal. And my dad was getting frustrated. I was getting frustrated. And it escalated and escalated until, in all of my eight-year-old anger, I stopped and burst out, I'll never be the soccer player you want me to be. And I ran home crying. Well, that night, my dad left a note in my room, and I actually still have that note. Uh, yellowed paper, crumpled edges, and I want to I read the very first line of it to you. This note is to tell you, that I love you very much. Why was this line so important? It's because when we fail, when we feel like we've failed, the first thing we do is question whether we're still loved. We all do it. We do it with our parents, and we do it with God. So when we fail, we believe we've failed God. So we try harder. We say, okay, I'm gonna to come to church next Sunday. And I'm, I'm gonna pray before I go to sleep. And I'm gonna read my Bible and pull up that Bible app. And I'm gonna start a plan and get a book and start listening to Christian music instead of hip hop. And I'm gonna stop cussing, well, maybe a little bit. And stop drinking. Well, okay, let's not go overboard, okay? So, but you try and be really good. And you work really hard. Some of you are doing that right now. And you are here today as part of that because you're working really hard to show God that you're not a failure. And in your heart and deep in your soul, you tell yourself that if you work hard enough, then God will love you again. That couldn't be further from the truth. God loves you, period. There is no rest of that sentence. God loves you. And there is nothing you could do that would make God love you more. And there is nothing you could do that would make God love you less. Jesus, as our everlasting Father, is loving. And that's part of the miracle of Christmas. So that's the first thing that we need to understand about Jesus as our everlasting father. The second one is this. He is compassionate. He is compassionate. Thirteen times throughout the Old Testament, God is described as compassionate. So if, if, you, if you picture the God of the Old Testament as angry and violent, you couldn't be further from the truth. The God of the Old Testament and the God of the, Old, of the New Testament is compassionate. And all of those references, almost all of them throughout the Old Testament, they echo how Psalm 103 describes it. And it's this. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Now, some of you might not have experienced compassion from your father. Your father might have been harsh. Strict, judgmental, and so it's very difficult to picture a father as compassionate. But that's why we have to take off one lens and allow Scripture to speak to us, because God is compassionate. So then, in the New Testament. Jesus is routinely described as having compassion on people. But it wasn't the wealthy, it wasn't the powerful, it wasn't the successful. Jesus routinely, consistently had compassion on the least, the lost, and the last. He had compassion on crowds because he saw them, and they were harassed and helpless. He had compassion on the sick, the deaf, and the blind. He had compassion on people who had run their life into a ditch, who were the social outcasts, who were the outsiders. Jesus was filled with compassion. And so when we see that Jesus is our everlasting father, that is a compassionate father. Now the third one that we need to understand, to really understand this everlasting father concept, is that Jesus is always there. He is always there. God says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. The Apostle Paul writes this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's a pretty comprehensive list. I think that pretty much includes everything of everything. And none of it can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So what can separate us from the love of God? Okay, we're we're, going to practice this a little bit. And your answer is nothing. Ready? You got that? What can separate us from the love of God? Okay, like you really mean it this time. What can separate us from the love of God? There we go. Nothing. Nothing above you, below you, to the right of you, to the left of you. Nothing that is great. Nothing that is terrible. Nothing that breaks your heart or nothing that brings you joy. Nothing. Because Jesus, as our everlasting Father, is always there. This, This is likely the hardest one for us to believe And even understand. Because at some point in your life, you have probably experienced love from a parent. At some point in your life, you have probably experienced compassion from a parent. But always there. We have no experiential context to put this in. None of us have experienced Always there. Even the best of your father, your mother, the adults in your life. We know can't live up to this standard. Always there. We have all experienced a time when someone, an adult in our life, that we were looking to, was absent. Let us down. That they weren't there for us. Physically, emotionally, relationally. We all know what the sting of that feels like. And see, everything in us resists this idea because we have no way to understand it, we have no experience to put this into. That's why we need to be reminded of it often. That Jesus is always there. So last week, last week we received a connection card that was written out to me, so I, I read it there. And um, I, this was from a couple that I've known for a number of years. And I actually asked them if, if I could read what they wrote on the back of it. and Because it talks about exactly what we're talking about Here. So here's what it said. Thank you, Pastor Greg, for all that you do in our lives. We have been distant from God lately, and sometimes in hard times, we forget who to ask for help. Every time we visit River Life, your sermon always speaks directly to our hearts. We thank you for always reminding us that we still have God to turn to. We forget. When we feel distant, When we walk away, we forget. That's why church is important. That's why the body of Christ is important. That's why preaching is important. Because we need to be reminded, just like this couple, we still have God to turn to. Because we expect to be disappointed by relationships. But that is not God. That is not Jesus. So today, today you need to be reminded of that. That Jesus is always there. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And nothing you do or nothing that could be done to you can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. There's another really important reason why this idea is hard for us. See, even the best parents are there for us until they're not there anymore. My mom was a wonderful mother. I've shared about her numerous times up here. And she was there for me until she wasn't anymore. And now my dad, my dad will be turning 80 this year. So we know that that time when he will no longer be with us anymore, that's coming a little sooner than any of us would like to admit. Death comes for us all, including our parents. And deep down in our souls, we know that. That that specter of death haunts over us. And we know that and we can feel the ache. And it never goes away. That's why it's essential to know that Jesus is our everlasting Father. He's not just our Father. That's not enough for us to know. He is our everlasting Father. So this Hebrew word doesn't mean eternal, like no beginning and no end. This word actually means just no ending, without end. So Jesus is a father, his fatherhood of you, his fatherly relationship of you will never end. When you say yes to Jesus and say, okay, Jesus, I am yours. I belong to you now. You have a relationship with God through Jesus. That relationship will never end. It is everlasting. And that is the only thing we have to beat that ache in our souls, to defeat death that haunts us all. And that is Jesus Christ. Because he, defeated death. So why does all this matter? Yes, it's Christmas, and it's an amazing verse, and this this one looks great on a Christmas card. But the impact is much, much larger. As famed uh, British minister uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones described it like this. The eternal everlasting God has become our father and the moment we realize that it transforms everything. When you realize that Jesus your everlasting father is loving it frees you from the trap of trying to earn God's love and you can freely give that love away. When you realize that Jesus, your everlasting Father, is compassionate, it frees you from your anger, your bitterness, your stubbornness. And when you realize that Jesus, your everlasting Father, is always there, it frees you from your fear of abandonment and death. And that will give you a peace that will have no end. When we understand Jesus as our everlasting Father, it changes everything. Join me in prayer. God, thank you for Jesus Christ that you love us so much that you sent your one and only Son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God, thank you for Jesus. And thank you that you have made him our everlasting Father. You have given him to us. For the healing of our father wound. That's so why I pray for every person here and I pray for their father wound of a present father and absent father, from a birth father to stepfather, adoptive father. Only Jesus Christ, our, ever, our everlasting father, can heal the earthly father wound we bear. So I pray healing on this congregation in the name and power of Jesus Christ. That you bring healing and wholeness and shalom to every person here. That you strip away the lenses that keep us from seeing Jesus for who he really is. God, only you can do that. Help us to see Jesus as our everlasting Father for who he really is. In the name of Jesus, I speak against the lies that we have all believed. The individual, the countless lies represented in this room of who you are. I speak against those so that we can be free to see you for who you are, to see Jesus for who you are, to experience the Holy Spirit for who he is. I thank you. And I pray love and compassion and presence onto every person here. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.